All right, guys. Market news. Uh, number one on a list of 10 guys, STO platforms registration with traditional bank helps move security tokens forward. All right. I'm pretty sure I already read this news, but uh, I'm going to read it just so I can get a little backdrop here. Well, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to skim through it. Block Pulse has obtained registration with ACPR Bank of France. Okay. Initial coin offerings. Okay. STOs on there. Okay. Have not seen a such boom. Blah, 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 blah. Specific capabilities concerning the euro. The registration allows Block Pulse to manage euro payment for financial instruments. Okay. So basically what you have is a primary issuance platform. Primary issuance meaning you have an issuer, someone who needs to raise some money. They issue into, not into a, a, a more than likely, not into what you'd call a matching engine, but into what you call a billboard. They issue, people come in and make offers, they fill the offers. Um, and the bank is going to let them accept euro. So the, the bank is going to basically custodial the euro payments rather than them having to get bank accounts themselves. So yeah. Um, like most things uh, in crypto and fintech, the first steps are always a bit lazy. This is a bit lazy. It's still only a primary issuance platform. It probably still is focused mostly on the country in which they're based. Um, yes, in the future, we aim to expand the European Union through Benelux and Spain. So it's France only. It's regional. It's siloed, just like the traditional market. I've mentioned this many times in the show. There, there's no reason to get into blockchain, into D DLT, into whatever in terms of capital markets, especially in terms of infrastructure, if you're not going cross-border and you're not doing it in real time, you're not really solving any pain points. You're just making news headlines like this one. Okay, so moving on. Number two on a list of 10, MoneyGram says it has sold $11,300,000 US dollars of XRP since beginning its partnership with Ripple. So obviously they had some Ripple to sell. Those of you who don't know, Ripple partnered... Um, second i think i probably had a call scheduled in the middle of this ama so those who don't know moneygram uh partnered with or xrp partnered with moneygram i don't know who initiated i think moneygram actually initiated the partnership um, but i'm not 100 sure on that um and part of that deal was um cash and i believe the other part was rip was xrp so um they are now starting to sell some of that xrp i guess maybe they were holding on to it expecting it to rise as it started to fall well maybe they started uh, selling a bit of it to make sure they had some cash. Um, doesn't really say much other than the fact that they're smart, right? You don't want to hold on uh, to an asset that may or may not continue to lose value. So um, doesn't say much for the partnership, I think. Um, Ripple does have a, a few pieces in their infrastructure, XRapid, et cetera, that definitely are probably saving uh, MoneyGram some money and increasing their ability to get into certain markets. Um so yeah, I think the partnership, not a bad one, uh, and they're selling an asset that they probably heard from somebody might go to zero or something, and, and that just kind of makes sense, taking some risk off the table. Well, number three on the list of 10, flight to quality. Invectors, invectors, investors seek shelter in US dollars and Bitcoin. Well, I would definitely say investors are seeking shelter in US dollars. The, the flight to USD happens and has happened in every modern day financial crisis. Um, actually, JPY, the Japanese yen, used to be 30 years, uh, we're talking about 30, or more than 30 years ago, where, and also the Swiss franc were a place where people would fly to when there was some type of uncertainty around the world. However, after the Swiss franc debacle in 2015, we're the Swiss, Swiss franc to the euro, uh, and also the fact that the Japanese have been on basically zero interest rates for 30 years, or close to it, um, they simply aren't the first place people go. It's the U.S. dollar. 
So even though everybody, every, every cycle, every one to 10 years, there is a cycle of the US dollar is going to crumble because of this, this, that, or the other. And every one to 10 years, people are wrong. Uh, and here we've shown this is the first crisis, global crisis we have seen in any any one of our lives. I don't care how old you are. If you're a living person right now, even if you look into the Great Depression, even if you look into World War II, you still didn't have a macro chasm that basically affects the entire world and it affects the entire world in a very similar light when it comes to the economy. That is amazing. Um, and uh, we've never seen it before. And still, the flight was to USD. Now, the article here talks about Bitcoin. I don't know where they come up with that argument. I mean, you can say, yeah, Bitcoin hit a floor and bounced back up. But those very well could have been a mass of orders that have been sitting there for a year and a half. I don't think it was so much induced buying just from, from you know current buying. I think those were probably many of them, maybe not a majority, but definitely a large minority were probably orders that were sitting in books all over the place that were getting filled on the way down, just like stops were getting hit on the way down. Um, so far, I don't think Bitcoin has proven what it is yet. And I've said that before. And, and anybody that said it's a store of value, I think right now is also somewhat proven incorrect. Now, you can make the argument that it bounced from the bottom. That's great. But if you compare, don't compare it to gold, compare it to the US, compare it to a fiat currency, compare it to the USD. And USD is definitely showing that it's more of a store of value in times of crisis. Right. And one of the biggest, and I'm not saying a store of value over time. People, now somebody's going to come out and probably post this stupid chart from like 1901 till now when a $1 is now worth eight cents. Now, again, just like reading a chart or 30 cents or whatever it is, just like reading a chart, I can give you those same statistics in another light and make you see that the dollars actually retain buying power. Um, so everybody that, has, you know, there's, there's many ways to come and look at the, these type of things. Um, in reality, the dollar has lost some buying power, but at the same time, when you talk about inflation and different things, and if I look in terms of times of crisis, the dollar always wins out, and it's won out this time as well. Number four, report about 11% of Indonesians own some form of cryptocurrency. Well, there's a lot of Indonesians, so that's good. Um, I'd like to know why that is. Not, not necessarily why that is, but how that is. Did they buy it? Was it airdropped? Um, do they own some type of crypto asset that was given to them for free? Um, or do they actually go out and purchase this? And do they actually have access to it? Do they use it or do they just receive it? No, they received it. Don't even know how to use it. Don't know what it is and don't uh, even know how to log into the, uh, how, to, how to look at the address to find out how much they have. Because that's probably a little bit more interesting statistic than just how many people own it. But it definitely is large. It's probably one of the largest in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I, I don't think it sheds too much light on, on worldwide adoption per se. Number five in the list of 10, Fed's unlimited QE places spotlight on Bitcoin store of value narrative. Uh, yeah, well, the unlimited QE is definitely unprecedented, that's for sure. Um, one of the biggest things there is the fact that, um, you know, fractional reserve banking, which basically allows a bank to loan out 100 times more than what they have on deposit, now lets them unloan, loan out unlimited amounts of money with having no reserve. That's amazing. That means the bank can literally have zero money in their coffers and loan out infinity money um, and then charge interest on that money. The risk associated with that is mind boggling. If this if this uh, the longer this this little Corona thing keeps itself around and the longer they allow banks to do that, um, because if this if this crisis continues for months and banks are over leveraging on loans because they're being forced to. And then the government is, is, is underwriting loans to small businesses 
in order to try and boost the economy and the and the economy stays shut down for months on end and those small businesses then are now closing and going into bankruptcy and now the governments are actually underwriting all these loans which they now have to repay i mean now most many governments like the us ones that have their own currencies can just you know print money into oblivion um but you know one thing we haven't talked about here what about countries that don't have their own currency or have don't have their own monetary policies where they're simply pegging their value to another currency that they hold in reserve what happens to those guys they can't print money they can't just go and press a button right what happens when they run out of money they can't just give money to all their citizens they don't, they don't have it so what do they do interesting um sorry about that number no, sorry about uh, somebody said they needed some hopium that definitely wasn't hopium but anyway moving on um number six on the list of 10 telegram loses big against sdc on cryptocurrency case is kick and hedra next well when this came out i told you they were going to lose uh open and shut case they lose but um telegram knew that the case was going to come and they strategically waited to link telegram to the underlying issuer of the gram token so that they could delay the release because they weren't ready so they're actually used it to their advantage initially but i'm pretty sure they knew they were going to lose um, and what they're they're betting on is that they will only have to return the money to us guys and maybe pay a bit of a fine but because of the, the size of the raise overall it shouldn't hurt them so much kick and hedra on the other hand different well definitely kick on the other hand is a different story um, kick is definitely open and shut as well. I don't remember the Hedra case off the top of my head, but the precedence from the telegram case is definitely going to help the sec and not help everybody else. Number seven on a list of 10 Bitcoin mining difficulty post second biggest percentage drop in history. Yeah. Well, people see prices drop and well, they start to move out. The halving coming up, um, is also going to make it difficult for, for non institutional miners that aren't in a place uh, where electricity control controls are uh, controls electricity costs are capped. Um, I think the majority of costs, China, where most of the mining is, et cetera, are roughly around three thousand U.S. dollars to mine a Bitcoin. That means it's going to cost them roughly six. Meaning at current prices, they're still a little bit profitable, so they probably will maintain operations at least for the most part. But many small miners and miners outside of countries where it costs more to pay more than three to four thousand U.S. dollars to mine a Bitcoin are going to have big problems come to having, and they may already have started to shut down parts of their operation so that their operational costs don't exceed the cost or, or the value of each of each Bitcoin. So we'll have to see. I do expect that to probably continue to level down, though at some point it will level out and will start to level back up. That's for sure. Uh, miners will come back in. They simply won't be those institutional miners. They will be miners that don't understand that. Uh, number eight, analyst 10, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro accused of using cryptocurrency for drug trafficking. Of course he does. Number nine, analyst 10, Square gets approval to launch bank in 2021. Um, yep, that's that was fairly kind of understood that Square was going to get that. Jack Dorsey, Square, Twitter, et cetera. Um, they've been running Square as a payment uh, institution money service business for years. I'm sure their books are nice and clean. They do a resounding amount of volume. Um, it, it, it made sense they were going to get a banking license, and they did. Um, it remains to be seen how they how they separate themselves from a normal bank. You know, it always it always makes you know all these challenger banks end up achieving banking licenses. In reality, um, you would hope that these challenger banks would actually change the definition of what is a bank, and then maybe wouldn't need a banking license and be able to provide services like a bank without 
getting the license that allows them to do the things people hate them for, like fractional reserve banking. Um, so interesting. We'll see how they, they, they really need to separate themselves, right? Um, we'll have to see how they do that. And if they don't, are they really making any change, right? Do challenger banks challenge anything? That's a question. And I would say they don't. Number 10 on the list of 10, cryptocurrency is a failure as a currency, says Brazil's banking chief. And for the most part, Brazil's banking chief is 100% correct. Bitcoin does not, well, cryptocurrency, he's obviously, first of all, he's saying all crypto is currency and then it's failed. And if that's the case, we definitely have failed. We don't have a cryptocurrency in my mind. We have crypto assets. Some of them try to act as currencies and they don't do a very good job at it if you compare it to any other standard currency. Compare it to Euro, USD or pound. Um, you know, if I'm in the UK and I have pounds, well, I can pretty much spend them anywhere. If I'm almost anywhere in the world and I have US dollars, I can pretty much spend them anywhere. If I'm anywhere in Europe, I can pretty much use Europe. But if you compare to the US dollar, which you can pretty much spend almost anywhere in the world, and it will be accepted for the most part, um, at the very minimum at exchange, but at, at an exchange house. But definitely if you're in a tourist area, most of those guys, except maybe in the UK, to be honest, uh, will take uh, will take US dollars. If you compare that to Bitcoin, which is the most liquid crypto asset, that's not the case. If you compare the transaction times, the amount of transactions that can happen per second, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the learning curve to be able to use it, the amount of people that actually use it, the amount of people that will accept it, the volatility, all these things uh, come into play. And well, I would say he's probably correct. I do think there are some smaller projects that have created things like stable coins, which you could argue fit the definition of a currency pretty well. Um, so yeah, overall though, I think he's pretty accurate on that. He's accurate now. Will he be accurate five years from now, three years from now, one year from now? Maybe not. Um, and I think that's where most skeptics hit a wall. That's where your Noriel Rubini's hit a wall. Um, when you can only see what's directly in front of you and you don't have the vision to see what's coming, then nothing would ever work. You would never advance. You would never make anything new, better, greater, et cetera, because you just say, well, this doesn't work and never continue. So um, I think he shares a little bit of that same um, reserve or, or he builds his own walls and, and can't climb over them. But as of today, I couldn't argue with it. See you guys in there this weekend, more than likely, and see you guys here next week. And um, onwards and upwards, as always, stay safe. Don't get sick. If you are sick, don't panic. And, uh, you know, try and follow the rules the best you can. Cheers, guys. See you next week.